Greetings, this is Jason Hill, and this is the podcast version of Into the Gap, which airs every Saturday morning from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Central on WCGO Radio, 1590 a.m. and 95.9 FM in Chicago. Let's get to this week's episode. Here's my co-host, Mike Shrek. We've got a guest in studio. I know. Uh, Jerry Evans. Jerry's running for the Republican nomination for the 14th district in the st- state of Illinois. Right. Yeah, yeah, Mike and Jason, thanks so much for having me on the program, and it's an honor to be here. Yes, I'm running for U.S. Congress in the 14th District to defeat Lauren Underwood. Amen, brother. That's why we got you here. Yeah. Right? To, That's right. To shrink the squad. That's why we're here. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah. And, so. and to promote your agenda and tell our listeners yeah. what you're all about and yeah. what your policies are. So let her rip, man. Why are you here? Okay, so why are you running for why are you running for the 14th district? Yeah, great question. So, uh, again, it's an honor to be here. Thanks for having me on the show. So, uh, just so you guys know who I am. So, I am a small businessman, an entrepreneur. I own a music school uh, of 275 to 300 students, uh, as well as a commercial property and a salon. I have an amazing wife, Lisa, as well as an amazing son, Michael, and we're so blessed to do what we love to do every day. But we're just not okay with progressivist politicians pushing forward a pro-abortion, pro-socialist agenda or an anti-freedom agenda. And so I'm standing up to go ahead and run for Congress, Mm -hmm. to go ahead and be a strong and solid voice to protect the unborn, stop human trafficking, uh, fight for lower taxes on the middle class and small businesses, uh, fight to protect the Second Amendment, as well as support the president, Donald J. Trump. So you just answered the first question that came from... uh my buddy Seymour Milfbutts, right? Which <laughs> nice. his real name is Danny, but we'll keep him. But and he's listening. But uh, his first question was, "Are you an establishment Republican, or are you a kind of a supporter of Donald, Donald Trump?" Yeah, I, great question. So I'm going to say it very, very, very clearly. I am an outsider, and on top of that, not only being an outsider, I'm also a millennial. Uh, businessman who is very strongly a supporter of the president. You know, when you look at what the president has done mm-hmm. with his pro-life agenda and his uh, accomplishing prison reform and accomplishing uh, what we see right now with this amazing economy and record lows in unemployment, and you will go on down the line. He's got a tremendous pro-family agenda as well, uh, and he's being tough on tough actors in the world, being tough on China, being tough on uh, other places like Iran or North Korea, et cetera, et cetera. I look at that and I go, this is amazing, and why would I not want to support that? And so for me, uh, I'm very much an outspoken supporter of the president and uh, very thankful for for the job that he's doing. Awesome. Yeah. Um, Let me ask you a a big question that's coming up, you know, about an accusation that's being leveled against the president. It's that he's an anti-immigration president. I said, I always say, as an an immigrant who came here legally and is now uh, an American citizen. Sure. And had to go through an extensive vetting process under President Reagan yeah. uh, to, be, to get a green card and then to become a citizen. I said, no, he's an anti-illegal, and I don't even like to use the term immigrant, because if you're an illegal resident, you're really not an immigrant. Yeah. So um, the, the DOJ just established um, a denaturalization section uh, program this week um, to, to begin the process of, of denaturalizing people who lied on their forms. Yeah. So what are, you, what are your thoughts about, you know, the president's approach to the southern border, to immigration in general? Um, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts. And Jason, thanks for bringing that up. And uh, so just so you know, so my wife, uh, she, she's half Asian and her mom is a Taiwanese immigrant. And her mom came when she was a young child. And so we very much care a lot about immigration and care a lot about that topic. And mm-hmm. so uh, for me, I am very much 100 percent against illegal immigration. 
but also I am for legal immigration. And, and when I see the president, when I look at what he is doing uh, with seeking to stop illegal immigration, I think that's a very, very good thing. When you look at him uh, focusing on trying to build the wall, which I support because the data supports that as being effective. So we look at the wall. I think it's effective. Uh, when we look at other measures he's taking to try to make sure that people are properly vetted before they come here, and you go on down the line, I really support those things. But if I could ask a rhetorical question, if I could say, hey, when has the president ever come out and said, hey, let's stop immigration altogether? Mm-hmm. When has he done that? No. And you don't see that. And so to those people who say the president is anti-immigrant, I say, give me a break. Well, it's a certain type of immigration that he's after, right? Like merit immigration, like yeah. merit talent. Yeah, bring talent in. Bring, bring, bring talent. Yeah. 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 And, and bringing, you know what the thing is, you, you hit on something that's my hot spot, yeah. which is freedom, right? Yeah, sure. I mean, it, it, Jay wrote this great book, and it's really a, it's really a celebration of freedom. Yeah. And it's, it's why this show started, is because yeah. um, – I got real concerned that is a you know a gentleman of a certain age being a white guy being from the suburbs being however success is measured successful right yeah that we had abdicated our leadership a little bit you know we kind of were like letting stuff go and all of a sudden what I saw were these encroachments of basic freedoms yeah and it starts with the you mentioned the Second Amendment I think it starts with the First Amendment yeah um, and our inability to communicate so. What do you have to say to the the people, the the progressive agenda that actually doesn't want to hear anything other than their perspective is how it seems to me. Yeah. What do you have to say to them, or, or how do we? What when you're in office and you're representing yeah. them, how, how do you speak for them? Yeah, great question. So, so what I would say to the the progressivists, mm-hmm. as well as even to the listeners who might not be progressivists, uh, who are listening to this program, yeah. here's what I would say is that. You look at progressivism historically and what it's doing right now, Mm -hmm. extremely pro-abortion. It is very antithetical and uh, fights against religious liberties Mm -hmm. or freedom for religious thought or freedom for for religious speech. Uh, And again, it's very, very socialist. And and what do we see about the history of true socialism? We see uh, authoritarian regimes and dictatorships arise uh, through that philosophy of socialism. And and for those of you who may have never done this, I've actually read the writings of Karl Marx and mm-hmm. read Engels and, and looked at what they wrote and I go, wow, this philosophy is really bad and that is why it doesn't work. So, so when we have people aligning with socialist ways of thinking mm-hmm. uh, and uh, ways of thinking that would seek to come across as better mm-hmm. than religious thought uh, of your common man, no, it's no wonder that they start creating laws that start to infringe upon those things. You know, for instance, if you look at the uh, if you look at the Equality Act that was passed mm-hmm. uh, this uh, this recent Congress. Now, obviously, it's not going anywhere in the Senate. It's not going to get to the president's desk, but it's HR five Equality Act, and what it does is it begins to coerce people into the doctrine of progressivism mm-hmm. and coerce medical professionals to do things that they may not feel comfortable doing. You know, making it more of a poss- possibility for biological males to be competing in female sports, even if communities may not want that. And you go on down the line, and it's coercing this progressivist ideology uh, that is limiting freedom. And I, and I just want to let you know, that is actually one of one of the big or one of the main reasons why I stood up and said, I'm going to run for Congress, is, is because I saw all that. I said, yeah. not on my watch. Freedom is here to stay. Yeah. And I'm going to make the sacrifice. I've got one kid. 
I own a music school. I'm working part-time there while still feeding my family. And that I think that goes to show the success of my music school, but also goes to show that, again, I don't have millions and billions of dollars. Right. But I'm making that sacrifice, and my family's making that sacrifice, to go ahead and protect religious freedoms, protect freedom of speech, because those are amazing things that our great country was founded upon. And you know what? Yes, America is great. No, that's... That's foundational. What this this show is about is yeah. American exceptionalism. Yeah, sure. you know, it really is. And 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 one of the things you brought up, and that's why you know we're so blessed to have Jason here because he's read everything on this. I mean, yeah, you, you truly sure. are an expert on this stuff and have an understanding of it. And you know, well, I don't want to toot my own horn. I mean, no, I, no, I, but I, but I mean, this is right. You know, this isn't like you know you're not working as a dishwasher. Anymore, right. You know what I mean? I know. And so yeah. we brought up socialism, and sure. one of the things I want. Um, you to talk about is to these millennials, many yeah. of whom, like yeah. I think 70% of whom think that socialism is the way to go. So as a business person, break it down because we have a, we go, we have a, we, we have a podcast series that, yeah. that is distributed. Sure. So, you know, in, in this remaining section and the section after, I want you to talk a little bit in practical terms. Those millennials who dream of a socialist utopia, Tell, tell them what it would be like for them as business people who aspire to have their small businesses, really what it would be like under a Bernie Sanders regime with confiscatory tax rates, um, what, what it would be really like for them to live under a socialist regime? Yeah, great question. And so so what I'm going to do is I'm going to take this from a unique angle, kind of like a boomerang here to answer your question, uh, Jason. Uh, first off, you know, the millennial mind, so much of it is, you know, the young millennials are thinking, hey, how do I uh, do things morally or have a sense of purpose? How do I think bigger? There's just this, this strong theme amongst millennials of wanting to be a part of something bigger. And, and, so, and so when you go ahead and you begin having people like Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren or other people begin to give false information and deceiving information about socialism, yeah. then it sometimes it can be easy for a millennial to accidentally be deceived because they hear some wrong information. So what I would say to them is I would speak to the millennial and say, you know what, your desire for a big sense of purpose or morality or helping people is a great desire. But I want to let you know, actually, the best way to do that is actually through freedom and free market capitalism. And if you look at a free market, what's happened over the past number of decades, we see the percentage of people in poverty in the world dropping drastically yeah. while the world population, world population grows. And that's been happening because other markets like China or India have been engaging in the free market. So, Jer, Jer we're going to have to take a break, and I want to continue this. Yeah, yeah. You've yeah. so much rich stuff there. So. Yeah, sure. Lots to mine there. Jason Hill here, and I want to let you know that you're listening to the podcast version of Into the Gap, which airs every Saturday from 9 to 10 a.m. Central on WCGO Radio. Tune in live from 1590 a.m. and 95.9 FM, the Smart Talk app. Tune in or wcgoradio.com. The podcast is available from Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio. Find it, rate it, and subscribe. If you'd like to get in touch about the show or inquire about sponsorship opportunities and rates, please reach out to my co-host Mike at MikeShrek at gmail.com. Dallas Cowboy Hall of Fame coach Tom Landry once said, a coach is someone who has you see what you don't want to see and has you hear what you don't want to hear so you can always be the person you knew yourself to be. Hello, I'm Mike Sherrick, founder and president of the Mike Sherrick Group and Mike Sherrick Coaching. We are an executive coaching and leadership development organization with offices in Berwyn, Illinois and Oshkosh, Wisconsin. 
Successful organizations begin with the self-awareness and authenticity of its leaders. And in today's world, we are all leaders. If you or your organization has a big vision, or you know there's another level you can go to, please give us a call at 630-643-6336. If you're one of the first three people who call us today, you will be eligible for a free IMX leadership assessment and debriefing, a $550 value free to you and your organization. So give us a call at 630-643-6336 and take it on. Hey, we're back. This is Mike Sherrick with Jason Hill and our guest, Jerry Evans, and we're critiquing Steely Dan. It's awesome. I love that. You see the smile on my face? (laughs) I first learned this song on bass guitar in high school. Oh, that's awesome. Phenomenal bass line. That's awesome. Well, these guys are just great musicians, great songwriters. Yeah, they're awesome. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, we're talking with... uh, with uh, Jerry Evans, Great. he's a, a candidate for the 14th district in Illinois Congress, or United States Congress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, Jerry, you're pointing to, uh, you know, in dealing with millennials and that they want to be part of something bigger, yeah. which I think is fundamentally a, a fundamental drive for most people. They're like really engaged in life. Sure, sure. And you, what you said, which I love, was they're being deceived by Elizabeth Warren and, and Bernie Sanders. Yeah. And while I stepped out of the studio, I'm just realizing. They're creating this false narrative, yeah, just to, you know, get sales for lack of a better yeah. word, right? Yeah, and that's 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 obnoxious. So, what is the future vision you want to create to enroll them in that's bigger than this? That's, mm-hmm. that's better. Yeah, great question. So, if if I were if we're specifically talking about, hey, how do we engage millennials yeah. to actually mm-hmm. engage with the free market and see what the prosperity and the morality of that? Here's what I would say: we have to go at the heart. Okay. We have to go at the moral argument. We have to go at yeah. the here's how this helps people argument. Because if we give them a lot of facts, that's uh, it's helpful. But the thing that draws them falsely towards socialism is that that heartstring because they're they're being deceived by bad info. Right. And so what I would tell mille- millennials is I would say, you know what? I believe in morality. I'm, I'm a Christian. I'm unashamed of that. And I want to live a life of self-sacrifice the same way that Jesus did. And I want morality. I mm-hmm. want something bigger than myself. I want to help people. Mm-hmm. And I want people to have opportunity. I want people to have more wealth and, and not more poverty. And what we can do is we can point to them and say, you know what? Capitalism or a free market is actually the most moral system. Because what does it do? It gives people an opportunity to come from, from from a financial perspective, almost nothing, and create something from that. You look at all these people who have wealth or have successful careers, they came from, from a financial perspective, almost nothing. Yeah. You know, I, I have a music degree, and a lot of people run away from music as a vocation. Mm-hmm. But I've worked hard, and because of this free market system, I actually have an ability to take care of my family on a part-time income while... I'm campaigning full-time for Congress. And we look at all these other opportunities that people can to start businesses and get out of poverty. And again, we look at the statistics of the percentage of people in poverty in the world is declining steadily as countries are engaging in the free market. And as countries don't engage in the free market, they're the ones being left out of this success. And so I want to let you know the most moral system that brings people good and uh, brings people help and health is actually the free market system. And I think if we went through that and, and talked to their heart, I think that's going to be very effective for young people. And I, th- I think also, Jerry, that uh, to, to just build on your point, yeah. that there's something about capitalism that also corresponds with the political and the moral DNA of America. That yeah. is mm-hmm. self-sufficiency yeah. is yeah. at the heart of Americanism. Yeah. Grit, tenacity, yeah. honor, yeah. resilience, perseverance. Yeah. These are all things that socialism want to 
annihilate. Yeah. They want it, it wants to expropriate people's agency and be the, the welfare nanny state. Yeah. So there's a way in which people's dignity, uh, your dignity is eviscerated on a socialism. So I like the moral component of your message. And maybe you could talk a little bit more about that, about yeah. how to communicate to to millennials the ways in which their own capabilities for their future advancement is being hijacked under socialism. Yeah, absolutely. And so I, I think let, let's kind of back up and say see what happens versus a, in a free market versus socialism. So in a free yeah. market, you can go out there and you can create a product that revolutionizes the world, i.e. the iPhone or the smartphone. And uh, the base, so that is one thing that you can change. You can go create a product that revolutionizes and changes the healthcare industry to help people have healthier lives. You can go out there and create some sort of product or service that actually changes your community and makes everyone's life better. In a free market too, Jerry, you can go out there and fail. Yeah, and you can fail but still get back up again. No, just, exactly. And, it, and I think that's a thing that is um, it, it's so being pushed by Bernie and Elizabeth and all these other people is these this fear of failure, you know? And, and it's really the failure and the resilience and the building back up and yeah. recovering from it yeah. that real geniuses, because anyone who's successful, yeah, you're good. Any Anyone who's successful, I, I guarantee has yeah. failed a couple times. Sure. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and I think you have the freedom to fail, but get back up and yeah. do amazing things. And if, if, if I look at all those great things that a free market does, because you have the freedom to express yourself and be yourself, you don't have to be one with the norm. You don't have to be one with what the government wants you to do or think the way the government wants to. Yes, you can be an individualist and be an individual. But then also to contrast that with socialism, what do you have? You have a system where, uh, look at the data, medical intervention in these uh, single-payer healthcare systems drops dramatically. Mm-hmm. You know, I even heard a, a recent report. There was one doctor who went out there recently who said, you know what, if you actually look at the Princess Diana and the car accident that she got in, and you look at the timeline and the type of care that she received, if that would have happened in America, she would still be alive. Wow. Because yeah. it took them so long to, to take care of things. It's, they didn't have the type of treatments that we would have had in America. Mm-hmm. And that doctor was very straightforward about that. And so that's what you get when you start to move, move towards the single-payer socialist way of thinking. Or again, you look at socialism and you look at what's happening in Cuba or Venezuela and you have people who don't have the right to bear arms. They can't defend themselves. You have people going to grocery stores with uh, a lack of products that to actually feed their families in a healthy way or they have things that are spoiled uh, and on all this stuff. And I think, how is it moral to be supporting a system where people actually can't feed themselves with basic nutrition. Mm-hmm. Come on, let's let's look at the big picture here. And so, so that's and I w- I could go on down the line. I could talk mm-hmm. for a million years about this, uh, but there is a stark contrast versus a, of a free market versus that socialist system and how limited you make yourself and how limited you make your culture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to ask you a more personal question. Sure. Um, politically speaking, yeah. What are the who are, who who why are the people who politically inspired you? Like, yeah. who are your political heroes? And, yeah, great and, and question. And why? And why? Great question. So, uh, there's probably a number of people have who have inspired me and shifted the way I've thought. Uh, and so, I think one is William Wilberforce. Mm-hmm. William Wilberforce saw injustice mm-hmm. in England, of course, uh, with slavery. And you know what he did? He worked tire- tirelessly for justice. And so, when I come in here and I seek to run for office, and I see that there are there's problems with human trafficking, or there are problems with abortion. 
you know, killing babies. You know, there's no place in a humane and compassionate society to chop up a baby and suck it through a tube. When I see that, I'm willing to work tirelessly to be a voice for the voiceless. I think that's one person that jumps out to me. I think Reagan being a reformer, coming in somewhat as an outsider uh, and accomplishing the things he did, he just had a common sense mentality. Uh, I think that's amazing. And then in all honesty, when you look, and and so I know people today might say this, and this may sound cliche-ish or something like that, but... When you look at what the president is doing with his no-nonsense approach and he's just willing to just go ahead and be honest, I mean, we just need that in politics. Mm -hmm. We need honesty and we need transparency. Mm -hmm. And uh, when the president goes out there and says, hey, this is a problem. Let's go ahead and fix this. This is a problem. Let's go ahead and fix this. And he has that business mentality. That's – that, that shifts your perspective and, and, and I think brings good things to politics. So th- those are three quick people I can go ahead and bring out. Uh, I'm sure there's more though. Mm-hmm. What do you say about the people who uh... – uh, you know, Mr. Trump isn't the most articulate guy we've ever had in that office, right? And so, and he's a he's a tough guy. He's a, he's a real estate developer. Right? Sure, sure. And so he says things in a way that aren't very Washington D.C. esque, right? And it triggers yeah. a bunch of people. Yeah. What do you say to those people? Yeah. So what I would say to those people uh, in regards to that issue is, first off, I would say again. There's a philosophy that happens in Washington where you ignore a problem and then you lie about it to try to make yourself look good. I'm writing the stone. I'm seriously, okay? I'm writing the stone. You ignore a problem and lie about it to make yourself look good. Yeah. And you know we do, you know what we call that? What? We call that stupidity. Okay? And that is incredibly immoral. I mean, just me as a Christian, I go, that's immoral. That is wrong. You can't just ignore a problem and then pretend it doesn't exist. So when you have someone who's an outsider businessman who says, hey, I don't owe my allegiance to anybody, and let's go ahead and deal with these problems, I say, thank God that someone is actually willing to talk about that. And, you know, if you you want to, you can go ahead and talk about, hey, we can dissect individual tweets and say we like this or we don't like this one or we like this one or we don't like this one. We can talk about that all day, but I'd say the general overarching theme is we have someone who's willing to point out a problem. And it's tough, but, you know, welcome to being – Welcome to thinking like a business person. Yeah. I, I have a small business as a music school. And again, think about this. You know, I'm not selling iPhones here. I, I've got to watch my profit margins mm-hmm. in, as a small businessman. And so if I see a problem with seven components and I say, oh, let's just deal with one and pretend that six don't exist, I go out of business next year. Yeah. But you know what? I've got to do the tough things and you've got to address the tough problems yeah. and do that. And that's and that's how the president has approached politics. And I say that's actually what we need. And that's actually what I want to bring to Congress is yeah. that mentality of not being, you know, one person in Washington and one person in the district, mm-hmm. which I believe Underwood seems to portray herself differently in Washington versus the district. Yeah. But I'm going to seek to be honest and transparent and say, here are problems, and let's go ahead and deal with it head on. Because I'm not running for Congress to go ahead and do things that are easy. I'm doing things. I'm running for Congress to do things that are hard. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. <clears throat> How do you, you brought up Lauren Underwood? And, yeah. And you know, when she's in Washington, it occurs like she's a member of the squad, and when she comes to Naperville, she's you know, she's a girl from the neighborhood and is taking care of everybody, right? So I, I don't know where she stands. You know, I. I I, I, I'm so profoundly disappointed in her, but hmm. um, how can how can people get more of you? How can they hear more of you? How can they see more of you? Where are you going to be at? Where can people interact with you? How do they get a hold of you? Yeah, thanks for asking, Mike. So the first thing you can do is just go to our website. It's Jerry for Congress. And, and my name is Jerry Evans. It's Jerry with a J. So 
Jerry, like Jerry Garcia, my friend. Oh, you know what? <laughs> actually, you you someone actually—that's—that's that's all that they call me is Jerry Garcia. Actually, because yeah. I am a guitarist. Oh, uh, awesome! And so, uh, but uh, you know, Jerry for Congress. Yeah. Jerry F O R Congress dot com. So go there. You can email us. You can see where my positions are. And guess what? I've talked about being honest and transparent. Yeah. And guess what's on my website? All my positions on the main issues because yeah. I want to be honest and transparent. It talks about my five, uh, top five policy plan for Illinois that I want to go ahead and accomplish uh, for the district, and then actually outlines those having to do with healthcare, immigration, uh, you know, tax cuts, defending the unborn, and ending human trafficking. And uh, and so they can go ahead and do that as well as today for those who love chocolate. <laughs> I've got great news for you. I will not judge you. <laughs> I will not judge you because we at one o'clock today we are going to be at the All Chocolate Kitchen in Geneva. There you go. If you've ever heard of that? Come to Geneva All Chocolate Kitchen from one to two p.m. That's a little meet and greet. You can get a chance to meet me as well as get some chocolate. Uh, and uh, my wife was very excited about that meet and greet. <laughs> now she loves all my meet and greets, but she was really excited about that one. So we, we love to do that. But email us, uh, and uh, we would love to talk with you, get you involved with uh, volunteering for the campaign and getting this victory and winning this campaign. Jerry, thanks so much for thank, being here, thank man. Thank you for yeah. being here. Really, it's so been a pleasure. joy. It's been, a, yeah, it's, really a lot. Been, I, you know, it's been really great having you. Yeah. And I wish you all the luck in the world. Go out there and kick some tail. Thanks. And uh, have, have fun at the We'll have you place. back for your victory. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Awesome. I appreciate that, guys. Thank all you right. so much. We'll be back in two minutes, everyone. This is Mike and Jason, and this is Into the Gap. Hey, we're back. This is Mike Shirk and Jason Hill, and this is Into the Gap, and we're halfway done, man. I know. Time flies. That was a good conversation. That guy was good, he man. He was good. He's, I he's like a, him a lot. He's a mor- he's, he has a moral vision. You know, yeah, a, which you don't see very much. I know, I know. I am really, you know, I, I didn't know him, yeah. but I just knew he was running, a, you know, my commitment for the 14th is where I live. Right. And uh, I saw him, and, you know, he was, you know, he was, when I first met him, he didn't really stand out, but right. he did today to me. Right. You know, there's there's a lot of substance there. Well, he doesn't seem to be like a piecemeal candidate. Not at all. He's comprehensive, he's integrated, which I like, but, yeah. the, you know. Um, he's smart. He's smart, articulate. Yeah, I like a vision. That. Yeah, for I his like life, that. and yeah, yeah, and he's standing for the right things. I think. Yeah, you know. So well, good to see you, man. I haven't Same seen you here. forever. I know it's been two weeks. You know, feels like forever. I know a lot has happened. A lot, week. yeah. So what's new with you? What have you been doing? How's your book coming? Uh, I have written six out of eight chapters. Yeah, in two weeks, in two and a half weeks. Crazy. Um. It's due. It's due, like in the it's, middle of the month. Right? It's in due the in, in the middle of March. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm a crazy person. Yeah. Um, and then doing research for another book that I want to write. Really? Right after that one. You, about, can't, you can't talk about that. No, I don't want to talk about no, that. It's about, it, but it's about space. Space. The colonization of space. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> you, you. <laughs> I'm teaching this stuff right now. Oh my God. So that's going outside my ballywick. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I can barely and colonize then, you know, my backyard. Writing you know? columns and yeah, no, that, that, the the article you wrote. When did you, did you write that this week? Did, yeah, did it last week on socialism. Did yeah. it come out yesterday? No, it came out last week. Yeah. Oh yeah, I read it this morning. Yeah, that was awesome. But uh, the socialism should actually be legal, given that it's so appropriative of private property. Yeah, I mean, just I'm just putting it out there. Yeah. You know, no, actually, you you make a great point. Yeah. You know, if you can't become a citizen because you're a communist, yes, then how could it be okay for us to have that going on here? Yes, you know, I'm just like, putting it out there. Otherwise, it's discriminatory. Yeah, right. So cool. Yeah. So, um, yeah, man, it's been crazy this week. I mean, the, I mean, so much to talk about the debates. Yeah, I know. Uh, floating a new candidate in the case of a brokered convention, which hasn't happened since 1952. Sherrod Brown. Uh, Sherrod yeah. Brown. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. Lots to talk about. What do you so want to, what I don't know. Start? Well, I I just I I turned off the debates at some point, and then <laughs> I eventually just watched it on YouTube. Yeah, because it was just a bunch of imp- the Democratic Party is imploding, a bunch of carnivores devouring each other. I think the Republicans are clapping their hands, they're squealing with laughter. They're just everyone is out to get Bernie Sanders. Well, what what struck me? So I w- was in debate in high school, right? Yeah. And there were rules to debate. Yes. There was a process to it. There was a point counterpoint to it. Yeah. It was a, a topic. And what I saw last week that CBS hosted wasn't a debate. No. It was a free-for-all. It was a free-for-all. And there was some agenda, and I'm not sure what it was, mm-hmm. you know? There were multiple agendas, actually, you know? And I just, I see, yeah, I see what you see is the imploding of the Democratic Party. Yeah. And- the problem with that is I, I believe in free elections, and I believe in there should be powerful opposition mm-hmm. so that people can actually choose, mm-hmm. you know? And we're not going to get that. No. You know, we're not going to get that. We're, we're going to get and, – and for a guy like Trump, who, you know, we talked about it. I respect the guy. I, I really respect what he's doing. As a human being, sometimes I see things differently. Mm-hmm. But he's the kind of guy that left unchecked may do something dumb. Mm-hmm. You know, so you need the checks and balances. Yes, and the Democrat Party is failing mm-hmm. to provide a legitimate balance. Well, him. yeah, they are, and I mean, they're trying to. They're acting like a dynasty. I mean, Nancy Pelosi is oh really, God. really terrified right now yeah. because she's terrified because she's held the party together since her victory in two thousand eighteen, mm-hmm. and. She's scared, I mean, for many reasons. I mean, if Bernie Sanders wins, I mean, what's going to happen to the suburban voters who are going to be scared stiff about having their health care confiscated under a socialist government? The confiscatory tax rates that are going to be leveled against them, um, if he gets a nomination, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, these, these suburban voters that, you know, are the democratic base voters for mm-hmm. her— are going to be lost. They're going to go to Trump. What, you, you, what you're pointing to is the very thing that Jerry Evans was here for. Right? Yeah. So Jerry Evans represents a suburban um, district. And, and so what it goes, it goes from Plainfield, mm-hmm. Illinois. I don't know if you know where Plainfield mm-hmm. is. It's way out west. It mm-hmm. goes straight down Route 59, between 59 and 47, all the way to the Wisconsin border. Mm-hmm. So it's this, this slice, right? And it historically has been Republican. Mm-hmm. And then last election, it went Democrat. Yeah. Because the Republican guy sat on his hands and didn't do anything, mm-hmm. you know? And, and now it, it, you know, and it's, it's, it's 50, 50. Yeah. You've got, you know, highly educated suburban people. You've got some older people. You've got, um, there's an element of rural people in there, mm-hmm. you know, cause it's not all rural and, and you've got, it, it's a pretty diverse community. You've got immigrants, mm-hmm. you've got some Spanish people speaking people, not a huge African-American population. There's parts of it in Elgin and Aurora, but mm-hmm. not a lot of it. So it's it's really, it's really uh, an interesting and, and it's it's what you're really speaking to. It, it can go any way. It can it's go a any coin, way. It's yeah. a coin flip, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And if something like this, and a lot of union workers, yes, you know, a lot of construction guys, you know, a lot of there there's still manufacturing out there, and union workers don't want, you know, they want their they've they've fought for and stood for mm-hmm. their health care. I mean, they've they've. They've given up opportunity to make more money to get better benefits. Yes. And so it's unjust to have that taken away. Right. It's right. stealing from them. Right. You know, so 
it'll be interesting to see what happens. But this is the problem. I mean, I, I am not a socialist, will never be a socialist, will yeah. never vote for socialist. But, you know, I was talking to my mom last night because she's in, becoming increasingly interested in politics, living in Jamaica. Mm-hmm. Um, and Bernie Sanders is the only one I can say who has a clear vision, a clear agenda. I mean, if he gets elected, we know what we're in for. Yeah, yeah. He says, I'm a democratic socialist. This is what I'm going to do. He says with Ocasio-Cortez, we're going to fundamentally change the values mm-hmm. of this country, not yeah. just the economic fiscal policies, but the values. I don't know what Joe Biden stands for. I don't know. Other yeah. than he wants Michelle Obama now to be his vice president. His vice Joe president. Biden wants Michelle Yes, he announced that yesterday. Um, I don't know. Elizabeth Warren is like a good pit bull for Wall Street, right? She's like, yeah. she would be like a really good DOJ. Mm-hmm. Um um, in the DOJ or be a, an attorney general, mm-hmm. right? I, but, I, you know, apart from advocating a very expensive health care um, uh, program, mm-hmm. she's very negative. She's very, she's a reactionary. Yeah. I don't know. Buttigieg is a decent guy. He's, he's, uh, but apart from saying. He's elect- charming. He's charming. He's but apart- really charming. He's really charming. And he's a decent guy. But apart from saying, elect me. Because I'm a Democrat and Bernie's a socialist. What I'm saying is it's a soulless party. Yeah. And Bernie is the only one, I say this as someone who's not a supporter of Bernie, who really is the only principled person. I think his principles are wrong. But the, princ- the only principled person with a clear vision, a clear agenda. And that's, I think that's part of the reason why these, the Generation Z and the millennials are, are loving him. Yeah. And I think if, if he goes to a broken convention and yeah. the super delegates like Pelosi and Kamala Harris bring in Sherrod Brown, like a, you know, an old, a, a white knight savior, yeah, uh, there's going to be some gunfire. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you, you, you bring up a really good point because, well, first, the, the thing that I'm hearing is, and, and this is the thing that I started talking about three years ago, four mm-hmm. years ago, right? What I started noticing is there's an absence of real leadership. Yeah. Right? And Trump stood up and said he's going to be a leader. Right, yes. wrong, or indifferent. Yes. That's what he said. He's providing a vision. He's providing a pathway. And he allows people to, to fall in line with him and go forward. Right? Yes. Bernie's doing the same thing. Yes. There, and, and what I'm seeing, and, I, and it's occurred in corporate America, it's occurred in our communities, it occurs in our families, mm-hmm. is this abdication of leadership. Yes. When you look at, like, a, when you have a family and there's a four-year-old child who says they want to be a different gender than they were born. Mm-hmm. Then, I'm sorry, they were assigned by the woke people. That's what they say, you were assigned a gender. Mm-hmm. You know, But when you start listening to a four-year-old as opposed to raising him and developing him and growing him, mm-hmm. you know, something's off. Something's off, yeah. You know? And, and you, you speak often of, of personal agency. So there's something off where people are abdicating their agency, their role, their, their, their voice. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what happened. Mm. And it scares me. It not scares me, but it startles me mm-hmm. because I didn't see it coming, mm-hmm. you know? And so that's the part that I see is, is so um, really, really kind of, you know, concerning more or less. You yeah. Know? So, yeah. Well, it's a kind of nihilism. I mean, it started, it starts with not being accountable for anything and, um, not really having to sustain a position through adversity, I think. Yeah, yeah. Right? Through adversity. Like, if you stand for something, this is, you know, when George Bush called uh, Kerry a, a flip-flopper and a, a wishy-washy flip-flopper, I, th- I think he was onto something. When you stand for something, 
and you stand for position. Yeah. And your character is also predicated on your positions. That is, there's no separation, as Jerry was saying, between how he would represent himself in the 14th district and how he would represent himself um, in Washington in at home, yeah. in D.C., right? Yeah. When there's a complete unity and, you, and, and you, you're accountable, um, that speaks to something of a character trait. Yeah. And I think most people are just deathly afraid or they're morally lazy. Well, you know, you, you bring this up. So when we had our event last Wednesday, yeah. when you got sick, right? Yeah. So there were a bunch of woke people there, right? And they took excerpts out of my book, out of context, and they were attacking me personally. Mike's well, book is Berwin Rules. Yeah. Well, they took these excerps out and attacking me personally, calling me a racist. Yes. Right? And I, I'm not going to defend that. I think it's a ridiculous comment. I think... There's nothing I do that supports that, but there's there's some comments in the book that taken out of context can occur harsh. Mm. So anyway, I'm having this conversation with one of these woke people, and I said, "Listen, here's the thing: when 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 we have differences of opinion, we have to engage. Mm-hmm. We have to listen to the other side. That's why I came to talk to you. You know what she said to me? It takes too much energy. Mm. She's lazy. Yeah, it takes too much work. Nobody wants to work anymore. Nobody wants to expend the energy." My mouth almost dropped. I had no response. Yeah. I said, that's all you have. Yeah. As long as you have breath, as long as you're on this side of the surface of the earth, you know, the only way things move forward is through effort. Yes. And yes. It, no, it takes too much energy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. She'd rather emote. Well, the other thing is, she was a black woman, right? She was saying that her experience in 2018 of being a black person, being called a name. Mm-hmm was equal to that of immigrants in the 60s when they came here. Actually worse. Like, oh. Yeah. Somebody should have... I'm surprised she didn't get punched out. Well, she was not hurt. But anyway, we gotta, we're going to go. Uh, this is Mike and Jason. We're going to come back in two minutes. Thanks for being and listening to us. Um, yeah, and we're going to move forward. Hey, this is Mike Sherrick from Into the Gap, and we're proud to announce 6D LLC as our newest sponsor. They're a federal firearms licensee conveniently located in Berwyn, Illinois. They offer FFL transfer services on all your firearm needs. Visit 6T LLC, that's S-I-X-T-L-L-C.com, or give them a call at 708-973-1331 and mention this ad for $5 off your next transfer by March 31st. Hey, you know, on the way in, I heard a great song. What was that? Toots and the Maytals. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so yeah. I heard them, and they were playing uh, Country Road, mm-hmm. the John Denver song. Mm-hmm. But instead of West Virginia, they made it West Jamaica. Yes, and I've was, heard that version. It was awesome. It's awesome. So, you know what I was thinking? You know what we've got to come up with? We should go on a vacation and bring listeners with us to Jamaica for like a long weekend. Would oh, that'd that be, be awesome. Would that be cool? Yeah. And you could kind of let us turn us on to like really good food. Oh, Cool places that not everybody would see. Yes, you know? off the beaten path spots. Have, you, have your mom cooked dinner for us? Yes, she'd love I, that. I don't want to put her on, under burden, but I mean, how cool would it be to have like an authentic Jamaican meal cooked in Jamaica with, you know, 25 or 30 people? I know, it'd be awesome. We'd just have to make it not too spicy because they'd be running to the bathroom. <laughs> <You know? laughs> or like number two bricks, you know, because it gets spicy. It, I would say, it stimulates the bowels. I, <laughs> I would say fired up, like like it's time to man up, right? Like yes. if you're gonna come, you got to like do it. Man, yes, you know? like practice for a week and like exactly. with a lot of spicy foods. Yeah, or just not make it spicy. I mean, they cater to American palates nowadays. Oh no, we want to. But we, we they want the real thing. We want authenticity. We want authenticity. Man. Yeah. So thing. if you're gonna 
If you're going to say you went to Jamaica, I want the full experience, man. I've heard so many tourists in restaurants say, and can you not just like not add the spice? You see the Jamaican waiters and waitresses like rolling their eyes like, why are you here? Can you make it like McDonald's? Yes, that's yeah. what they actually yeah, say. Exactly. Can you insane. make it less spicy? Yeah. yeah. So we're back, and you were talking about the, uh, Trump's position on denaturalization, which basically is if someone gets becomes a naturalized citizen and they lied about and how they, they, and they intended intended a lie they had to have intent like to which is fraud i believe it's called fraud, fraud right yes. so if they're fraudulent in their application yes the woke people are going out of their minds because they don't think there should be any consequences right exactly yeah. wow that's interesting yeah and and sort of so from that perspective i can lie on my taxes mm-hmm. and have no consequence right mm-hmm. is that correct well yeah, if you follow the logic, you should be able to. <laughs> you should be able to lie on a lot of things, a lot of things, and get away with it. Yeah, right. Like if I'm like I drive fast, right? Yeah. So I'll be driving at a hundred miles an hour, and I get pulled over, and well, no, I was just going the speed limit. Right. 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 <laughs> you know, it really it, going going back. It just this whole thing just I, triggers memories of me when I applied for American citizenship mm-hmm. in two thousand two or two thousand one. Yeah. I mean, years after I'd been in America because I came in '85. And the questions on the form, had you, have you ever been a member of the Communist Party? Yeah. Have you ever advocated communism? You know what another question was? What? Have you ever advocated um, polyandry or mm. polygamy? Polygamy. Polygamy, really? Polygamy. So these were disqualifying questions. Wow. Because they were questions that were meant to appraise your moral, but the, what, what the yeah. um, um, INS back then. Yeah called Your Moral Character. I have a really good friend who just completed the citizen, like just got stamped yeah. last week. She's from Taiwan. It's been a 20-year process. Yeah. Like she's, I remember when she, you know, she had to get the, her green card approval. Right? Yeah. And brilliant woman. Mm-hmm. She's a CPA, mm-hmm. graduate in financial mathematics from the University of Chicago, right? Mm-hmm. And we were talking about, immigration to bring in talent mm-hmm. I mean, this, this woman is clearly that i mean she's a financial genius she's mm-hmm. brilliant she's cool you know and it's taken her 20 years yeah and she finally like she called me up wednesday i think it was i got it you know it. and she was so happy mm-hmm. and then i asked i said so when's the ceremony well it's been delayed because of the coronavirus right, right? so it's not gonna be till april or may but yeah, but it it's it takes work. It takes work. People don't realize the vetting, the proper vetting process, processes yeah. that have to be in place to become a legal uh, immigrant in this country that yeah. have always been in place. It's yeah, it's always been, and, and I don't understand why that should be removed. Right, it's worked for a long time. Right, you know, and and so you were, you wanted to talk about sanctuary cities. Well, you know, I mean, some of my students and and the Z the the Z generation or the the young generation, mm-hmm. I don't know what you call them. The acronyms keep Late changing. Late teens, early 20s. Yeah, it's 16 to 24. You know, the thing about sanctuary cities is that it, there's the presumption that illegality should be the norm. Yeah. I mean, sanctuary cities, by definition, are operating under uh, a breakage of the law. Mm-hmm. And somehow, if you're against the idea of sanctuary cities, you're seen as being a fascist or yeah. a bad person. Yeah. But what you're really questioning is whether there or not there should even be the existence of an enclave or a domain which is predicated on breaking the law. Yeah. And people don't people don't seem to realize that. I mean they get all sentimental and they get very emotional, which I hate when that enters into thought. I mean 
yeah, some degree of emotions and 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 sentiment are 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 going to to be introduced in thinking. But a clear, dispassionate mind that looks at issues mm-hmm. is what is is needed. There's too much emotionality, too much sentiment when it comes to looking at our laws and our the infrastructures that govern or 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 ways of life. You know, Jason, I, I think one of the things you're pointing to is when you talk about emotionalism and sentimentality, right? It, it's putting all the attention, all the focus on you, yeah. your person, your identity, right? Yeah. One of the things that Jerry was talking about is that the real key to freedom is looking at something bigger than you, <laughs> looking at something, a purpose greater than you. That's what the laws are about is to serve that ideal. Exactly. And when we start making exceptions because, you know, this is my auntie. Or mm-hmm. this is my uncle, or this is my cousin, or this is that, or this is that. Where's the line drawn? Mm-hmm. You know, listen, I get it. You know, my office is in Berwyn. There's a huge Hispanic population. Mm-hmm. There's a concern about, you know, INS coming in there and raiding it. And, mm-hmm. You know, and are there undocumented workers and people living there? Of course there are. You know, which, by the way, not to cut you off, has not happened. No, it's and never there were ha- and there were more deportations under President Obama. I know than under any. I know. Modern president, contemporary president. Well, and this gets yeah. back This gets back to another thing Jerry was talking about, the misinformation campaign, Yeah. the lies that are being told. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you know, I've never seen an INS car, yeah. an INS truck. I've never seen people. And I'm at Berwyn every single day. Yeah. I've never seen them roll up, you know? And so they, they create fear, and this fear then takes the attention off of freedom mm-hmm. and puts the attention on my own survival. Mm-hmm. And when that happens, you're on the brink of a disintegration, yeah. you know? Because it's like literally cracks in the mortar, yeah. you know, and then we all break off into our own splintered groups, and that's kind of what's going on. Yeah, and it, and, and that's why when, when I look at what's going on in the world, the people I'm most disappointed in is in the media and the continually messaging, you know, this divisive messaging mm-hmm. that we're sending all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just disappoints me. Yeah. And that's why I hope we're doing something different here to bring people together. Well, I mean, I hope that people can understand that law and order, which is the plat- one of the platforms that the president ran on when he was a candidate, yeah. is 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 part of functioning on that re- requires a kind of consistency. Yeah. Right? So whether it means, you know, sending any number of agents into a sanctuary city or, imp- or applying the law in a systematic manner, Empirically, it's going to look like a certain. It's going to look a certain way. Yeah. And to some people, it's going to look harsh. Yeah. But what is the opposite result of that? It's something like chaos. I, it's going to be complete chaos. It's going to be and, complete chaos. And the removal of because because what do what can, when there's chaos, what does government typically do? What's the first move? Reduce freedom. Yeah. Right. Nine yeah. eleven happened. Yeah. First action: reduce freedom. Yes. Anytime there's a a disaster, first action: reduce freedom. Right. Because right? it's it's how you control things. Yeah. And instead of having an environment of freedom, we've got an environment that's about government control, which is not what this country's about. Right. So that's my concern about this whole thing. So, yeah. Yeah, man. What you got going on this week? Anything cool? Uh, last week of class, I have papers to grade and exams to give, finishing up this book. Um, I was supposed to go to Italy on yeah, the 12th. Yeah. You're not going? Um, no, I'm not going anymore. Well, next week we got Raul finally. Yeah. Raul's book. Oh, he's coming out. Oh, he's get, well, he'll be on the... Oh. So you get to meet Rollo for the first time. Finally. Yeah. Alpha male. And, and you guys can uh, interact. That'll be awesome. I'm just going to sit back and watch. That'll be cool. <laughs> but yeah, I heard from him finally. And, oh, good. And so he's going to be back. It'll so be we'll have Rollo back next week. Which to meet is him. Yeah, he's always fun, man. And uh, yeah, so well, have a great week, man. It's good to see you again. Good to see you, too. I miss you. 
it's been weird being gone for as long as it seems. So we'll be back next week. This is Mike and Jason. Jason. Into the Gap. This is WCGO Chicago.